Good morning or good good evening to you. <laughs> it's evening, yes. How are you doing? Tired, but I'm I'm surviving. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry to catch you on a tired day. That's just early here. Oh. It's like maybe 8 a.m., but I'm always up late. So uh man in music, man in fashion, definitely <laughs> a late starter. Exactly. All right, well. I won't keep you too long. Uh, thank you so much for joining us at Out and About. And it was so lovely meeting you in person at the launch um, last week in Dubai Mall. Same here, same here. I have a couple of questions for you. Um, some of them are based on lots of the research that I've done uh, because we at Out and About, what we want to do is to try to get to know the person behind the brand rather than just you know what we see on a day-to-day. So I'll start out with asking you um, to tell us a little, about, a little bit about your journey at QLT Records and Management. Um, that's where you started before you jumped into fashion? Yeah, boy, QLT Records was when I was really, really young. So we're talking about, I can't even date myself like that, but because um, <laughs> it was a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I was uh, in the music industry, started as a, a manager of groups and, and gradually got my own record label. Uh, with Atlantic Records. Uh, uh, so it was a long journey. I had probably about 15, 20 years in the music industry. Um, I had multiple um, record labels uh, during that period of time, up into probably 2016 or 2017 is when I, I ventured into fashion. Okay, well, fantastic. Now I'm still gonna take you back into an early time. Um, I read that you studied um, business management, government, and politics. Mm -hmm. Now, can you tell us how that's been useful in your career journey thus far? Um, well, the, the, the business management obviously is uh, a key to it because since, you know, most of my time I've spent, you know, being an executive, like whether it's music industry or, or even in fashion, you know, you got to have the business side. So it just taught me how to better manage uh, not only business, but also myself. So that's where that came from. I just used the skills that I learned in college for that. Okay, how about your politics? Government politics, that was, I thought maybe I wanted to, so that was like the other part of it where when you wanted to, I thought I was gonna go to law school really at first. So you had to have kind of like, it was like a curriculum thing where they said, well, if you want to become a lawyer, you should have either this, this or government politics. And I'll take government politics. So it was more so about maybe going to law school, which I ended up just not doing, but that part of it. So I don't really know how that really factored into any of my management stuff, but you know, it made me more aware of politics and stuff. <laughs> so, but more of a policy basis more than like anything else. Okay, and you know what to stay away from. Oh, yeah, I know that common sense anyway. <laughs> street smart. You're on the streets. Street so you know how that works. Exactly. Now, tell us about your move into fashion. You know, what inspired that move? Um, well, being in the music industry, you know, music and fashion are always usually tied in, obviously. Uh, I didn't know how tied in back then. I mean, nowadays you can see it everywhere, you know artists are on covers of fashion magazines and blah, blah, but back then, all we knew is that, you know, we had to dress our, 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 uh, 
artists for for cover shoots or you know album covers and, and maybe a few magazines and stuff so i always would take the lead with my artists and, and dress them so i already had the fashion edge because everyone's like oh we love how you dress blah 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 so um i was pretty heavily into wearing leather back then so it was easy for me to transition when I decided, hey, you know, I think I wanna, hey, I really dig fashion. You know, I wanna see if I should get into that. It, it was kind of like a no brainer to me to go to the leather route because I always loved leather so much, so. And can I drag you back to maybe your early fashion memories? Like as a young boy, what are okay. some of the early fashion memories? Um, fashion memories stick out to me like, a everyone used to wear here in, in New York, where I used to live, everyone would wear like Dapper Dan uh, stuff all the time. And I always wanted to like get a Dapper Dan. I didn't realize, I mean, I was putting uh, MCM and Louis Vuitton logos on his clothes. And uh, you see music videos and LL Cool J and everybody would always wear this particular stuff. And I was just like, oh wow, that is so cool. So that, that's my fondest memory of fashion back then. Other than that, I would just probably, who knows, wear whatever was, what my parents bought me back, that, you know, back then or whatever, or whatever I found. But uh, I always thought that the Dapper Dan stuff was really cool. So I kind of was keenly aware of kind of fashion, even when I was younger. And that's so cool. Um, and now you've transitioned and you are now a celebrity fashion designer. When you made that transition, did you think you were taken seriously initially? Um, actually, yeah. I, because I didn't take myself seriously when I first did it because it was kind of like, you know, a fluke, like, you know, I wanted to make some jackets for myself because I used to buy them all the time. And I said, hey, I can, I'm, I'm a great, so I used to sketch and draw all the time, but it was never clothes. It was always military stuff. I don't know why, but I used to draw like ships and planes, but I was really good at it. So I said, you know, I'm tired of buying other people's jackets and wearing around. I bet I can make my own and put my name on it. So uh, that's what I did. I made like two jackets. And uh, anyway, I posted it can't remember at this date, I posted it. And then like uh, maybe a couple hours later, New York Fashion Week uh, contacted me and said, hey, you know, we saw your post, we love your jackets. We'd lo love to invite you to New York Fashion Week. And I was like, oh, well, thank you, but I'm not a designer. And then they just blew that off and said, you know, how quickly can you do 15 outfits or, or, or whatever they called it at the time, 15 looks. And I just said, well, how long do I have? You know, and they said, two months. I said, yeah, I think I can do it. And I hung up. I said, oh my God, what did I just commit to? I'm not a fashion designer, you know? So, um, so I didn't really take it that seriously. So when I showed up to New York Fashion Week, then reality hit me, of course, I'm like, whoa. So I was kind of nervous and stuff. But so, like I said, I didn't take it really that seriously until that same show Huffington Post was there and they did an article and, uh, they only did one article and it was about me and they called me the king of leather. And then I took it seriously because I'm like, this is my very first time. I thought it was a one-off, <clears throat> you know, I'm gonna do this one little show and go back to my normal life. And here I am Huffington Post with 30 million followers of people 
called me the king of leather. Like, how am I the king of leather? This is my first time, you know, doing it, you know? So that just stuck with me. So I had to start taking it really seriously because then London, everyone started contacting me about doing shows and I had to get up to speed and learn really fast. And people think I've been doing this for 10 to 12 years, but this is only three and a half years ago, you know? Amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. Can you describe your designs for me? How would you describe them? Uh, To me, they're like modern, trendy and edgy. you know, I don't follow any real norms. I just, whatever I think of, I do it. Um, it can be very challenging with leather because, you know, leather doesn't cooperate because leather is heavy. So like when you see on the runway, like if I would have went into fabric, you know, that'd have been easy to get the big old stuff, the long stuff, but you know, leather doesn't do that. So I have to be creative on how I, uh, how I make leather do certain things you know if I want big shoulders or whatever it's, it's more of a creative process than people would even realize and imagine that's why you know I guess when I do shows people love what I do uh, but I don't think they really realize just how hard it is to make a piece of leather which is heavy and if you think about it leather is pretty heavy to make it do some of the things that 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 I make it do um as opposed to fabric where you can, it can be flowy, it's light, you can do whatever you want to it. So that's where I, that's where I think the, the creative process comes in with leather. And they look amazing. Amazing. Oh, thank thank you. Thank you. Amazing. A lot of amazing. Thank and you. You recently opened your Dubai mall shop. Now, why Dubai? Okay. Well, so kind of a, interesting story. Um, so I came here and I did a show called V Fashion Week uh, last year, maybe July of 2020. And uh, there uh, I was introduced to my partner, Dunstan Rosario. Uh, and I just put out there to the, uh, to the V Fashion Week uh, people. So I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind opening a, a store you know, it, you know, in Dubai or anywhere, you know, just put it out there. And then just so happens that uh, my partner was at the, at the show and I was introduced to him and uh, he had asked me and I said, well, you know, I really like to open a store in Paris, <laughs> you know, cause I go to Paris all the time. I see the lines going all the way down the street. I mean, it's just like, no matter what store, the lines going down the street. And that always stuck in my head every time I go to, you know, Paris. And uh, he said, well, you know, I'm based here in, in Dubai, so why not Dubai? And at first I was thinking, well, cause it's 130 degrees there, I have leather, you know, I don't know if that's a good fit, but uh, I had said, well, if, if I do open it here, I would like it to be in Dubai Mall and probably Fashion Avenue. And he was just like, yeah, well, I mean, that would be the goal, right? So I thought about it and I said, you know, people travel, you know, people go to cold places, or they're coming from cold places. So the leather angle may not be a bad theory. It may not be all year round, you know, it's gonna, you know, some people, if it's hot, they may not wanna, they're not thinking about hot at that moment, you know, but uh, I thought it would be a good idea to, to do it. So that's what ended up happening. But just cause you wanna be in Fashion Avenue doesn't mean you get into Fashion Avenue, right? So 
that was a process in itself. So I don't know if you want me to explain that, but the process was uh, was totally different than wanting to just be in some place. I'm sure every single brand in the world, millions of brands want to be in, you know, Fashion Avenue, but only 0.0000.1, if even that, get in, right? So that's just a whole nother process in itself. You have to be in the caliber of a Michael Lombard to get into Fashion Avenue, essentially. Yeah. Or, you know, get it, getting in Michael Lombard, yeah. Uh, but usually it's like being on a brand of like Chanel or Gucci or something, you know. Uh, so it, I was happy that they saw the potential because they told me straight, straight out, you know, that they get thousands of applicants to get in there. They have maybe two or three store openings because maybe somebody moved or went out of business or, or whatever. And they don't have a lot of slots, you know. There are way bigger brands out there that, than me that are not even in Fashion Avenue. You know, they didn't make the cut. So um, I felt very honored because they saw the value in me and said, you know what? You know, we want you here. Well, just because they want me here, I just still was like this big process of doing 20 page, you know, uh, proposals and had to go to a 10 panel team. I mean, a 10 panel board for review. And if one of the 10, said no then you never get in so I was fortunate to get approved in in like 10 days that's was probably a record you know it was like 10 days it went to the panel and I got the news that they all were on board and thought it was an amazing uh store so actually the funny thing is I got the I got the message that I got in but it must have been delayed because I called my partner Dunkston oh I told him and then he video timed me and he was he was smiling already and I said well what are you smiling about hey I got some news for you and he said oh I already know already I just was waiting for them to let you know <laughs> so it was kind of like he already knew I got in I don't know how but he already knew I got in like right before I knew so he was already smiling from ear to ear and I was like here I am think I'm going to tell him some exciting news and he was waiting on me to find out so it was kind of funny actually a huge congratulations. What is yours thank is you. yours. I'm a big believer in that. Thank you. Now, I just want you to tell me a little bit about yourself as a successful person, because you've achieved so much in your life. How do you define success? Hmm. No, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, well, success can come in many different ways. I mean, in any profession you have, as long as you're happy and you're making a difference, and maybe not even somebody's life, maybe just your own life, I would call that a success. Um, my success to me, just when I see other people happy, like for instance, like I did the same thing in music, but in fashion, you know, I walk all around, I walk through the malls, I eat, I do, I know I'm a celebrity but I still interact with all the people all day. I go to my little favorite little restaurants. I, I interview people myself. I don't send like a manager or somebody. And, and people are always like in awe, like, oh my God, I'm really meeting you. And I'm like, I'm just a regular person. You know, I just happen to be able to design things, but I'm just a normal person. And, you know, maybe one day it's going to be the point where I can't just do what I want to do. That was a good thing about the music industry. You know, I put an album out, but most of the time I was behind the scenes. So I could go and, and, and go do anything I want. Nobody really knew who I was 
because I was the executive behind everything, you know, so nobody knew it was me. But here, when, when it's your name and your face is out there and you're on, I don't know, I've been in 150 magazines, probably 45 covers, people start to really know like who you are, you know, your Instagram page, you know, just, just people start to know who you are. That's sometimes that's good and bad, <laughs> you know, because you also have your haters and distractors as well. But um, I just want to always be a normal person. I don't want any type of fame, maybe because I've been doing it so long with the music industry that it's no big deal to me now because maybe some people get fame really quickly and they don't know how to handle it and they start treating people differently. But I've just never been like that. I'm pretty, probably the most genuine person you'd meet because I'm just always just around. And we love that because that's exactly the vibe I got from you when we met last week. Um, oh, cool. Really down to our genuine guy. Thank you. Now, tell me about one of your most memorable life lessons so far. Oh, wow. Mm. Memorable life lesson. There's probably so many. <laughs> I'm just trying to just key in on one. Um, I don't know. I just always, I just always just believe that you just, uh, just be a genuine person. Um, you know, because life, life can be hard. I mean, people, you know, for what, whatever, whatever happens, people can just, uh, bring you down and drag you down. And, uh, you know, my big lesson, uh, took me a while uh, to, to realize it, but it's just like, don't listen to all the negativity. A lot of negativity will bring you down. It's a lot of people sometimes that can't do what you do or want to do, and they're kind of jealous, so they want to say, ah, you can't do that, because they can't do it. So they want to discourage you because they don't want to see anybody get ahead. And I always tell people, like, you know, a lesson that you should always learn no matter what business it is, fashion, music, regular life, is don't listen to the naysayers. If you have a dream and you believe it, go for it. I mean, either it's just going to fail, but you can say you tried or it's going to be successful, you know? And uh, so my life lesson is just don't listen to people because it's always going to be negativity. People are always going to say and try to bring you down. You have to block that out and you have to stay laser focused on what your dream or you'll always dash your dreams. You'll always say, oh, I thought it was good. Everybody told me that it's a stupid idea or whatever. So I'm never going to do it. And if that was the case, probably 80% of all businesses would never exist, right? So that's my life lesson. I mean, I was sitting here just thinking about it and I just go, well, this is probably the best life lesson I can even teach younger people. Just follow your dreams. A younger generation, they follow their dreams. They don't care what anybody says nowadays. But, you know, from our generation, it was always the beat down, you know, oh, you're going to do that? I'll go get a regular job, you know, stuff like that. And dash your dreams to think that your only life goal is just to have a regular job a nine to five no passion and you know there's people who can do that you have people who love the nine to five and love the i guess the the certainty of your your check every month and then there's the ones who create not sure if you're ever going to get a check but your passion for it you know outseeds you know just a regular nine to five there's just two types of people in this world so I was never the one that wanted just the, the nine to five check. I just wanted to be something better or different. And you are, and you did. 
And you've been <laughs> successful you. at that. Thank now, you. if you were to write a book, what would you call it and why? Um, <laughs> you're throwing these questions out. It's too early in the morning for that. <laughs> the king of leather the journey to yeah yeah remember I, I think in one interview uh it was like do you like the name king of leather and i go well you know it's better than not having dubbed something right but at this stage i'm doing more than leather but i guess i started as the king of leather so i think that would actually be a good title of a book i'm sitting here thinking about it because that's what launched me into my fashion career. If it wasn't for Huffington Post calling me the King of Leather, I probably would have rode off into the sunset after that first show because I wouldn't, I just did it for fun. But because they dubbed me that, I felt an obligation. I felt, oh wow, if Huffington Post sees this, then I must be something. There must be something to this. So, you know, you're right. It'd be Michael Lombard, the King of Leather, yeah. There you Bingo. go. Bingo. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Now I have one final question for you. Um, and I particularly like to ask men this question. I ask everybody, but I particularly like to ask men because I know men deal with things a little bit differently. Um, and especially with the season we're in, and we've, you know, we've come through the worst part of COVID. Yeah. Um, and lots of people have struggled in their different ways. Very how true. do you deal with your mental health? You know, how do you keep on track? Um, well, you know, during COVID, it, it was a hard time for everyone. You know, I'm an avid, I'm an avid uh, zombie movie fanatic, you know, Walking Dead since I was younger all the way to even today and all that. So you never think you would see something quite like that in your lifetime but you know i was always fascinated with survival stuff and all of that so when when covid hit it just started reminding me of like some sort of zombie out outbreak kind of not as people coming back to life but it's like you're hiding you're you're, you're isolated you don't want to be around people you're, you're afraid of something you can't even see you know maybe i know zombies be a bite and then boom but you know um so i started you know realizing that my mental health was declining just a little bit because I was afraid to even open my front door, you know, because you're going to let this invisible thing in and you're going to die because in the United States, everyone was dying, like from New York on down. And the, the strange thing was I was still doing shows during COVID. I was in, I went to, um, I went to London, then Milan, then Paris, then Amsterdam and was oblivious to how bad it was because in the United States, it had just started and New York was falling, but I had these shows, they weren't canceled. So nobody was wearing masks. Uh, I'd be in a small room taking pictures with hundreds of people and hugging them. And then, but what really, I know this is probably a long topic, but what really hit me was when I left Milan and then I got a message that they shut down Milan three hours after I left. And I was like, shut down. And I went to Paris and I did a show. Once again, no one's wearing masks. We're all hugging at the end. I'm in every model's face dressing them. And then I went to Amsterdam. And on my last day of Amsterdam, I went to go get food and they shut all of Amsterdam down. 
Uh, the president at the time said, we're not, a, you know, we got to get out of Europe. We have a certain day to get out or we're not going to be able to get back in the country. And I saw that they shut down all the food. So it became really real. Then they herded me from one airport. I had to fly to a different airport. And then just the reality hit me. I mean, he called me patient zero at the time, but I was like, um, I really could have really, I could have died because I, we didn't realize the severity of COVID. And when I got home, I felt like really isolated because um, I just felt that um, I, I survived something that I wasn't aware of what was really going on. And so what I did to, to kind of better heal my mental health is I submerged into work. And I think COVID, it was probably a record year for me as far as like media stuff, because I got into 53 magazines in that one year in 2020. I mean, I was on the cover of everything because I just, while other, I guess, people who just sat in the house and was just really scared, I just immersed myself into work. And, uh, and so I took what I did in Milan, Paris and Amsterdam, and I just cultivated it that whole year. And I did wonders for my mental health. But I can't lie, I was really afraid to even just go to the grocery store. So when I went, I kind of hoarded food. I'd go once, if I saw somebody walking down the aisle, I did a U-turn, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but- um, It did, it did. It's, it's oh, okay. your, how you deal with things and how you dealt with that time, especially. Um, Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It's been such a pleasure. Um, Thank you, Marcia. I'm sorry if I threw some different kind of questions. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, I do like to get to know the person behind the brand yeah. and not just, you know, what we see. We see a lot of Michael Lombard, you know, and this is what yeah. his fashion looks like and so on. So I just want to know a little bit more. So well, which is good. Well, yeah, which is good because, you know, it's usually the same old questions. You made me think about it, especially the last one. I kind of was actually sitting here and I was reflecting of what I went through during COVID, which I never really spoke about before. That's why it took me a minute because I really had to think about, wow, you know, I really, you know, this is really a rough time, but no one's ever really asked me about it, you know? And uh, we all have our own different experiences during COVID. Mine isn't unique to yours or anyone else. We just did things differently or we probably could have done it the same. I mean, everyone was petrified. So I appreciate the question because it really made me reflect on what I really actually did during that time, you know? Fantastic. And how are you doing now? Oh, I'm doing great now. <laughs> you know, it's still, still, still wearing my mask and still everything else. You know, I come back to the United States three days ago and no one is wearing a mask. See in Dubai, everyone's still wearing a mask or 90% of people here. No one is wearing a mask and it's freaking me out because I left and everybody's wearing masks. I've been in Dubai five, five and a half months. I come back and no one's wearing a mask. In the malls, no one's wearing a mask, yet it's out here still and it's freaking me out. And I'm the only one walking around with a mask on. It's just Keep very, it's just, yeah, I, I want to live. <laughs> and you will. Thank you so much for waking up early to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Well, and of course. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a fabulous weekend. It's, it's Thank a you. You too, Marsha. Thank you.